When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Cracked Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Joining us on the podcast once again today, a returning champion here to our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you all probably know her best as the head coach of the University of Michigan women's tennis team. I know her as my coach. Welcome back to the show, Coach Ronnie Bernstein. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great, Alex. Thanks. Great to be here. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you, and I am getting to see the beautiful Ann Arbor skyline in the background. I'm just, you know, again, a bit sad at heart, of course, but always enjoyed these discussions, and it's crazy to think we're less than, what, five days away from the start of the season? I believe Michigan Invitational coming up this weekend. How's everything going in Ann Arbor? We are. We're excited. Um, just got back to class on Wednesday, so of last week. So, um, you know, I had a couple good days of practice. We were in eight hours last week, so um, couldn't do a ton. Had a couple recruits in. It was a busy week. And then um, this week, you know, on Friday, we start with competition. So hopefully the girls uh, worked hard over December and enjoyed their break, but uh, we're back at it quick here. Yeah, I know. Looking forward to that season beginning. And, you know, every school dealt with difficulties last offseason, trying to figure out what we could, couldn't do with COVID regulations. Obviously, the Big Ten impacted more than most. No fall competition for any school in the conference. Let's just start here. How much of a relief was this offseason? You know, uh, I think it was uh, Coach Doherty over at Maryland said she's never enjoyed a a Panera lunch more than the Panera lunch she had this fall because at least she got to do it again. How was this fall for the Wolverines? 
Yeah, it was good. You know, last fall uh, was tough, you know, when you just practice and um, usually we're practicing to, you know, compete and then you can kind of see what they need to work on with competition. So we didn't have that last fall. This fall was amazing for our kids just to get back out there um, and see different competition. You know, I, you know, last year was just the Big Ten and um, this fall we went, you know, we had a lot of great um, matches. We started with the NC State invite, which was incredibly um, competitive, some of the best players in the country. Um, so we had a full fall out there. Um, and it was, I think, really good for us. And just, I, I think we're prepared. You know, I think our, our schedule sets up nicely for us and um, we're ready to go. You talk about, again, the lack of fall last season and looking through the stats from last year. You played 12 doubles teams, which is on the higher side. Is that just a byproduct of experimentation, again, the lack of fall? Or, you know, what leads to that number? Yeah, I, the, the number um, is because we were struggling in the doubles, sure. you know, just to be honest. You know, trying to figure it out. Um, I'm not going to – I'm going to stick with something for a while, but if it's not working, I mean, I, I feel like that doubles point is very important and to try and find something that clicked. Um, you know, I think the fall was a byproduct of that and not um, getting that competition in. And we also had four new kids mm-hmm. in our roster. And, and um, yeah, so the doubles – I mean, I'm going to switch it, and I tell the girls that and um, just got to try and figure out what's going to work. And I hope that our doubles is better this year. <laughs> no, I mean, for what it's worth, nine teams this fall – Better track? I don't know if that's better or not, but at least you got the experimentation out of the way. Uh, Again, you talk about the youth of your team last season, and obviously it's a team I'm following throughout the course of the year. Kickoff weekend had to have been strange, right? First matches of the season, and then things get canceled right away. I mean, that said, 19-4 and overall. Talk to me about the growth you saw from your team throughout the year. Yeah, you know, the kickoff weekend um, clearly was tough. We played Duke, Mm -hmm. um, did not play well. Uh, again, we were young. I I think we had, well, we had two freshmen in the lineup first match, no fall competition. Um, so we struggled there. And then that night we got shut down as a department for two weeks, um, had to bus home. So talk about difficult from <laughs> Atlanta back to Ann Arbor. Um, and I promised the girls we would never do that again, but I, <laughs> I hope I don't have to break that promise. Um, so that was incredibly difficult weekend. And then we weren't able to do anything for two weeks. I mean, not meet. Um, we were basically, we basically had to isolate um, and really shut it down. So um, once we got started, it was just Big Ten. And truly, um, I can say that Ohio State and Northwestern saved us last year by qualifying for the indoors because um, we may have been in the same situation as maybe the Big Ten men's side. Um, but because they were ranked so high and had some good wins early, um, we got a few wins over those guys. And I think that's how we got in the tournament and had some success. So um, last year was challenging um, for sure. Um, but our kids, I feel like, stuck together and learned a lot and, and um, played hard for our program. That's so fascinating. And you're right. That was one of the takeaways. It's amazing how having two teams at the indoors could make that big a difference in the rankings. And I still hold a grudge because that Sunday at the National Indoors was fortunate enough to be on the call, but every match went 4-3. Like Oklahoma State, who had been playing four players all weekend, they go 4-3 right away. And so, you know, we're already behind on the schedule. Then Northwestern and Ohio State decide to play this five-hour just marathon match. And I was it's the first time in my life I was like, I need coffee. 
I need it now. Like this <laughs> Keep is me awake. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like we haven't even started North Carolina, Texas. Oh God. Um, but you know, talking about those teams in particular, you, you mentioned the wins you had. One, you know, I don't care about Michigan Ohio State football anymore. That's in the rearview mirror. But for both tennis teams to beat the Buckeyes, that's a big year for me. And obviously, it was early in the season, and for freshman Kari Miller to clinch that first match, seven six in the third on the road. What does that win do for your team? What did that win do for her? No, it was incredible. You know, um, she was put in a very tough situation um, very early in her career. Um, and was freaking out, to be honest. I was on her court. <laughs> I should have switched with Taryn. But, um, yeah, I mean, at, at that point, you know, you're deep in a third, and it's not even strategy or tactics or anything like that. It's keeping her, you know, in the moment and um, trying to keep her calm. But, um, you know, you got someone on the other side that's probably feeling the same thing. So it was an incredible um, match for her to come through for us. And, again, it took pressure off us, you know, getting that early win in our season because we didn't have a ton of opportunities against ranked teams. So to get that win early on the road was huge for us um, and gave us a little momentum going into the Big Ten season. And you talk about managing those emotions. Another thing you learn the more you watch college tennis, everyone can hit a forehand. Everyone can hit a backhand, right? Is it that management of emotions that allows Kari to go 14-4 and overall her first year, 13-3 and at the number one singles position? Obviously, it carried over for her this fall as well. There have been a lot of good freshmen in Michigan tennis history. You know, what allowed Kari and those freshmen to click the way they do? Yeah, you know, you, you never know how good a class is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew Kari was very solid. I mean, I, I've known Kari since she's a little girl. They, mm-hmm. they live a couple blocks from us. Um, so I just didn't know um, how they're going to come in and handle the college um, environment. But she she's just so solid. Um, for her to play the top of the lineup like she did. Um, she's a crazy good competitor um, and has matured a lot from the juniors. You know, I think in the juniors, that competitive piece kind of got away from her a little bit. I think that you can almost be too competitive and lose your um, composure a little bit. And I feel like, you know, maybe coaches being on the court has really helped her kind of, um, you know, control that and, and sort of direct it in a good way. Um, so she she did an incredible job for us at the top of the lineup, playing the best players from each team. And, um, you know, the second time we played Ohio State, it came down to her again. Um, you know, and unfortunately, she didn't come through. And she's, why is it always me? And I said, it's always you because <laughs> you're so good and you're in it and, and fighting hard for us. So, um, you know, came through at very big moments for us. But, you know, our, our entire team you know, stepped up last year and, and came through and, and helped us have a successful season. Did the freshmen still feel like freshmen this fall? Because this is their first fall, and you look, I mean, again, one goes 14-4, and four, another 15-6, and six, another 14-0 and 0 at the bottom of the lineup, and of course, I don't want to throw away what Mary did, because I'm sure she grew a ton throughout the season as well. They didn't have a fall. I mean, you talk about not knowing with the freshmen. I know they were all highly touted recruits. It was a ranked class, but how does that happen? Yeah, it's a strange year for them, for sure. Yeah. You know, and it's and I, I mean, I believe this, and I don't know what other coaches believe. Every other athlete last year got their year back yeah. that played college athletics, right? And our spring sports didn't because we got it the year before, but our freshmen didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So they virtually, you know, they're the freshmen of spring sports are the only athletes in NCAA's that don't get that COVID year. So I think they should. I mean, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, but I really believe that, you know, they kind of got a shortened season, um, especially just playing big 10 and no fall. 
Um, so they are new. They're almost like, you know, starting and going to experience it. You know, hopefully COVID gets away from us again. I don't know if we're, we'll ever be past that, but we, we go down to the kickoff and, and things go smoothly and um, we get to play our full season. Yeah. No, I mean, it's technically year 12 for Kari in Ann Arbor, right? Like if you actually <laughs> right. do the match. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's completely fair. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm curious when you have such a young team, and this brings me into some of these questions. I want to talk more broadly just beyond, you know, again, University of Michigan. But obviously tennis is an individual sport and individual development is something that hap- has to happen because no two players' games are exactly the same how do you balance those two things in your practice schedule? Are you someone who stresses the team practice every day, you know, the individuals? How do you balance those two things? Yeah, it's hard. You know, you you do a lot of that individual work during their individuals. Sure. You know, I, I think they have to have a very, you know, good sense of what they need to work on. And we talk to them about that. And, you know, they come in and do the extra time. And that's when we can really work on that stuff. Um, a lot of our practices are, you know, we'll keep it competitive. We'll do some sort of competitive stuff, um, changing it all the time. And it's more as a team overall what we need. Um, so, you know, if Kari needs to work on forehands or whatever, she's going to need to possibly do that individually, you know, if she doesn't get that that practice. Um, but that's the, you know, challenge of having 10 girls out there at one time, you know, make it productive for all of them. Um, but we try and do that as much as we can. Um, and we do work on the doubles a lot. So, um, and we will continue to, so we, we figure that out. Are there times when you'll scale back on one or the other during the course of the season? Say, you know, top couple of tough team losses, maybe you're doing extra teams that week or longer team session. Is there, is that something you again are shifting throughout the course of the year or maybe even season by season? Yeah. Our schedule stays pretty, pretty much the same. Um, our weekly schedule doesn't change much. Um, we're not going to. I mean, I don't panic and say we got to practice four days, four hours today, because we just lost a, um, you know, a tough match. We'll we'll just really try and focus on what we feel like we we um, maybe came short, you know, the match before. Whether it's the doubles, singles, um, you know, it, it varies. But I, I won't like change our schedule um, because we lost a tough match or anything like that. I will sometimes sort of gauge, you know, if I feel like the the team's tired, we, we've hit a spot in the um, the season where I'll, you know, give them off the early Tuesday morning lift or something like that, but really not going to add stuff. Um, keep it pretty much the same all week. Fair. Well, you know, with that said, it, and I was looking through and I had to go check because I was like, there's no way this can be a hundred percent accurate. It is 137 and seven in the conference throughout your first 14 seasons. And, you know, this year you're at 285 career wins at Michigan, three away from passing Bitsy Ritt, who's the all-time leaders in uh, women's tennis coaching history. Is that something you ever think about? Again, that sort of success? Is that something that's come to your mind perhaps at all this season with that record in hand? Yeah, I I don't think about that. I I think the Big Ten record's kind of crazy, to be honest. It Um, is. That's. I was like 137-7. She's been killing it, but come on. Yeah. So I remember when we first got there, when I first got to Michigan, I mean, there was a big difference in the top to where kind of we were. Um, So, I mean, I'm proud of that, but it's it's a lot of the kids. I mean, I I always say you're a good coach if you bring in good kids. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like we've recruited some really good kids that have really made an impact and really cared about Michigan and, and what we're all about. Um, but that number's crazy. I feel like the Big Ten, there's a lot of great coaches that work hard and a lot of great universities. And 
Um, we've had so many tough matches and close calls and um, the girls fight through it. So I hope that we can keep adding to that total on the, the left um, and, and keep those losses away. Yeah. Now, uh, is that the biggest difference between college tennis now and when you first got into coaching that, you know, the depth, it's not teams one, two, three, they've always been good, but 30, 40, 50 who would kill their counterparts? Yeah, there's a lot of um, parity now. You know, I think there was a huge difference when you play the, the, you know, team ranked 30. I mean, even when I was in school and this was way back, I mean, I just remember maybe 10 really strong teams. The depth in college tennis and and the money that's put into it and the, you know, the resource and stuff and how coaches are working. I mean, there's just so much more parity. Um, but, you know, there's even depth in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, the sixes now are just incredibly, um, you know, strong. I mean, they could have played, you know, higher um, back then. So it's changed a lot for sure. Yeah. And, you know, again, when you look at some of those changes, and I want to talk about 2022, but obviously you lose three players off your roster from last season in Jones, Lommer, and Lorenzini, who, I mean, that's, it's, it feel like you're turning the page on another generation this season. Like, I know there are some juniors and some seniors on the roster, but this feels like a relatively newer team, right? Like the connective thread to those teams four or five years ago, it's finally time to turn that page. Do you feel that entering this year? For sure. I mean, we're, we're very young, mm-hmm. um, but you get old quick. I mean, this <laughs> thing goes, this goes, I look at, I look in the mirror and I realize that every day, but um, yeah, you know, we're, we're young. And I, I think that every year, you know, as a coach, we've lost some great players here. And I'm, I say, how can I ever replace them? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to play without, you know, Jones and Lomer and, and someone steps up, you know, Kari stepped up last year. Um, you always have kids that step up. Your kids surprise you. They come in and play higher than maybe you thought. Um, so yeah, I've had classes where I'm like, I could get fired this year. Yeah, I can't <laughs> replace them, you know, and here I am. And I don't know, um, how I've lasted this long, but yeah, the kids have, the kids step up and, um, fit right in. Yeah, no, it had to have been cool for all three of the seniors to get wins in that round of 32 match. Like, I have to imagine that's a special feeling. But, and for for the record, I let it hang there. You look great, coach. That's ridiculous. The, whatever What's mirror, it, it, you have to update the mirror. Oh. You look you look excellent. So it's the mirror. Um, Thanks, but, Alex. Yes, but uh, no, with that said, we turn the page uh, towards 2022. And, you know, again, we've talked about the opportunity to get to compete. And you look at in singles in particular, your team, 59 and 31 overall pretty good fall right for the Wolverines yeah we had a great fall um Mm -hmm. everybody got to compete um we Mm -hmm. had everybody out there um I like the fall because it's smaller groups you know you're traveling with smaller groups you really get to know the kids um so I thought it was very productive our last weekend we took everybody to Arizona Kari was out in um, San Diego um so that was fantastic um and I feel like you know we set them up we, we, we got, everybody pretty much got four events in. Um, we worked hard, worked on some stuff and, um, you know, we'll see this weekend mm-hmm. when, you know, we got three really strong teams coming in and, and we'll see where we are. Did you play any hidden duels this fall? We played, so we hosted an event, um, with just four kids. Okay. So it's, it's kind of hidden duel, you know, you'll play four singles against a team. It's, um, it looks a little bit like that, but not a, not quite the full team. Mm-hmm. So we've done some of some of those events, but I have done them in the past in the fall. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Do you like them for development in terms of getting, you know, because especially with a young team, you know, get them into that dual match format as quickly as possible, right? That's the closest facsimile to the experience they'll get. I, I know a lot of, it feels like that's been a, a change in the fall scheduling, more coaches making room for hidden duels. Is that something you might consider? Yeah, I like it. I mean, we've done it in the past. Yeah. Uh, I actually prefer it. Even that four, t- you know, four person just match up team against team. Um, you know, we do that more. I prefer it than the draws because we're not there from seven a.m. till seven p.m. You're just there. You play your singles. You play your doubles against a team, and you're out of there. Um, and it gives you know the kids the sense of what a actual team match you know feels like. And they're playing next to each other and supporting each other. You don't have one you know six courts down. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing alone. So I, I love it. Um, um, and that's kind of where we are in the fall. Like next fall, we're going to play one in Puerto Rico with three teams and just kind of um, get some sun and, and chill out. But mm-hmm. I think it's a great format. Um, and it's the same, really. It's just individual results. So yeah. I don't. I, I think it's very beneficial. I'm in. Uh, so I'm booking my Puerto Rico flight tomorrow. Um, that's That sounds like a fun event for sure. And, you know, again, looking at the success this fall, uh, I know one, you know, you had Julia Fliegner with you as a freshman. She goes 13 and 2 overall in singles. That's clicking as well. You know, I, I should say up front, that's a family I know very well. Terrible family. No, loving family. I, you know, grew up with her older brother, Max. So fully biased here, but it's working. Like, that's a good fall. Yeah, I mean, Julia, again, a local kid, um, couldn't be happier with Julia. The way she competes and her presence on the court and her energy is fantastic for college tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she did a great job for us, really looking forward to how she fits in. Um, she's going to play a big role for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that both singles and doubles, um, you know, blended really well with the team. Um She's a perfect fit for Michigan, so I'm glad she's on our team. Yeah, and look, you know, flip side to the singles, 16 and 19 overall in doubles. Again, you played a bunch of different pairings. Is that something you've stressed working into the season? You know, again, how's that process looked for you all this fall? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, right? I, mm-hmm. I think I actually know how to play doubles. Um, <laughs> I had some success, and so did Taryn, so it's it's interesting. Um but I think, you know, it, it's tough for me, the set, no ad, quick. Um, I, it's been tough to adjust to that because mm-hmm. um, we play a certain way of doubles maybe, and it's um, still trying to figure that out. But we're going to keep keep plugging away. Um, we've had some in and out. We've got Gala back who um, hurt herself at the end of last year. So I see her kind of being in the mix. Um, but we'll we'll hopefully figure it out this weekend, but um, we're not there yet for sure. Now, I want to nerd out a little bit on the doubles because I know you do have a system, and obviously Michigan is a team that's had plenty of success throughout your tenure in the doubles point in particular. Have you adjusted that system at all? I, I feel like, again, this is something I've been exploring with other coaches, and I know the the, I suppose— allure of serving and volleying of times past like it's a bit overblown like let's not get crazy here that said it does feel like the serve and volley has been de-emphasized is that something you've noticed and is that reflected in any updates in the system yeah i mean we don't do it as much for sure um we're not serving and volleying we will you know second serve return and come in i mean Mm -hmm. i i like them to be aggressive you know and we're playing teams where this they serve and both stay back so I haven't done that yet. Maybe we need to do that. Um, I'm trying to fight that, but um, we do need to win the doubles point. So 
I have probably have not adjusted as well as I need to. I'm a little bit stubborn with that in old school and I came in a ton and I'm trying to teach teach that to be aggressive. And I do think in a shortened set, it should work on big points to put some pressure and, and come forwards. And, um, but that, but that being said, you need to be pretty basic and, and make first volleys and, and do things, um, like that. So if you want to come help me, I'll take like a guest <laughs> appearance one day and uh, <laughs> come I... to the VTC and give me some sort of, um, Alex Gruskin doubles, no, my, my most recent coach said two weeks off then quit and i was like oh, okay that's <laughs> probably that's a good advice at this point um yeah i'll do what i can no it, it is interesting because i agree with you like that pressure you would think over the long term the high percentage play getting to the net etc that would win out but it's one set no ad scoring and so that is that no longer the case yeah i mean we 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 talk about a balance, right? We talk sure. about the first couple balls of a point, right? So yeah. we're, we're kind of giving them both, you know, like you want to come forwards, but you, you got to make first serves. You got to make returns. Mm -hmm. So if you don't get yourself in the point, um, which we've struggled doing that kind of basic stuff, right? Sure. You've got to make a first serve, I think in doubles still, mm -hmm. um, and make returns. So we're working on that. We work on it all the time. Um, and yeah, I think it's a balance. It's a balance when you come forwards, and and um, we will figure it out. I like that. Or just go only I formation on the serve. Just be like, you know what? That's all we're doing this year. We're just mixing things up completely. I'm forcing you to move. Um, I we do Aussie. I mean, we're doing all. Yeah. We take returns at the net first, and we're trying everything. It's the Dave um, Schilling two people at the baseline on the forehand wing, so that someone's guaranteed a forehand that they like. You know, there's I. I mean, that's why I like college doubles. It's all the yeah. experimentation. No, we played where the server flips. You know, they yeah. switch sides after they serve. I mean, we've seen it all. So yeah, it's half the um, fun. Oh. Creative. I miss sure. it. I'm glad we're almost back. It's been too long. But, you know, again, looking at the team as well, the depth you have this year. I mean, there are more than six options to fill the six single spots. And certainly you feel like Kari probably comes back to the number one singles position. But talk to me about the competition you've seen on your roster, you know, for just the opportunity to play it all this year. And I'm sure you'll be playing around with the singles lineup early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to look at it this weekend again in our hidden duel, um, mm -hmm. just flip it around. But we've you know, obviously, Kari has sort of, you know, stepped up and she's probably clearly our one. Um, mm. But two to six, I have no idea. I mean, it can be flipped. That's how even they are. Um, and any day in practice, I mean, they're they're pushing each other and and there's there's no one that's two. I mean, I don't I don't have that nearly yet, even after the fall. So um, I feel like that changes. I mean, the, the dual dual match season's long and people you know, have some moments where they may struggle or whatever. And, and I'm one that, move, you know, I'm going to move it around and kind of see um, what's going to work best. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm excited about that because I feel like this year we're going to be super deep. Um, and I think that was a strength that we had last year as well. Yeah. And again, your team gets off to competition right away. Double header, I want to say on the 22nd, uh, which always love an early double header. Um, but you know, after that kickoff weekend, and I am curious, and you can let me in the room if you'd like, you can say no, but we were number 16 in the rankings. We, it slipped out, sorry. Uh, Michigan was number 16 in the rankings to end the season. First pick in the kickoff draft. Take me in the room. What's the strategy session look like? I feel like quite often Michigan has been hosting in the past, uh, but, you know, what's, what's the draft room look like? Yeah, I think we want to be indoors. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
So that's, um, you know, it's tough, right? We're not gonna get out outside um, to hit. So it's end of January, it's indoors. I thought easy flight, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's an hour and a half flight straight there. Um, and we're gonna get two good matches. I know that um, I figured someone would follow us. Um, we're gonna play Mississippi first, a great SEC team right off mm-hmm. the bat. And then either Old Dominion or um, Georgia Tech and hopefully we're playing to get into the indoors so I just I wanted two great matches I wanted to be a trip we're indoors six courts um, and that's that's all I thought about it wasn't so in-depth yeah. um, I'm pretty black and white and, <laughs> um, that's where I was it's just a mulligan for last year like we're gonna go down to Georgia this time but it's gonna work um, yeah. Yeah. No COVID breaks. None of that. The I girls like are that. probably gonna have PTSD yeah. after that. You know, like, oh my gosh, you brought us back here. Yeah. Is there a bus around? Oh, you can we'll make see. them do sprints at the instead of riding the tram at the Atlanta airport. It's like we're gonna make it from A to E. Okay. One time, my dad gave me like, I mean, it was a connecting flight. I was going to meet them somewhere. He set up the flight. That's why I say he gave me. I had like six minutes to make it from A to E. Full sweat. I made it, but full sweat. It. There's nothing more uncomfortable than being like, hey, do you mind scooting over in your seat, please, in a full sweat <laughs> and be like, yeah, and I'm going to be sitting next to you the whole time. So not that I've kept that with me. Um, but, you know, looking at the schedule, North Carolina comes to town as well. Cal comes to town. That's, you know, the weekend after kickoff. Princeton, Pepperdine coming to town. You guys are going to Lake Nona to play at UCF. It's a tough schedule. And you talk about, again, keeping the schedule consistent over the year. What leads to that sort of scheduling? Yeah, you know, we try to play the toughest schedule we can on conference. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to give the girls opportunities. I feel like, you know, we've got a lot of good teams at home this year. Uh, we've been very successful in our building. Um, so, yeah, it's just if to be the best, I feel like you have to play the best. And we're going to give ourselves chances, um, you know, to be one of the best teams in the country. So that's what I did. I feel like the, the girls deserve it. They've played hard and we need to. We need to push ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't, if we win 20 matches in a row, but we're not playing the top teams, it doesn't get us anywhere. So um, just want to see where we are early in the season and, and um, see where our program is. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, and I know it's not something you've worried about much in your career, but would you like to see 500 rule go away forever? Yeah, I think it's tough. You know, we've had, you know, teams are playing double headers for that reason, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um our doubleheader, uh, just to tell you, is my first one I've ever played in my entire um, career. And I just thought that our numbers, we had so many kids and I wanted to give them an opportunity to play. And that, and that's the reason for that. But I just don't like it, you know, for teams to try and get all these wins at the end of the year to just get in the tournament. I think there's teams that are not 500 that deserve to be in. Um, so we saw it, you know, several years ago where a team played, you know, like that's just not, um, sort of, you know, why the rule is there. So um, I would like to see it go away if, if possible. But all the other sports in the NCA are doing that, so that's going to be it. Yeah. No. It's. Um, 
I mean, yes, I agree with you. I, as much as I like the six-match Friday, you know, as legendary as that story is, it's just like, who is that for? I don't think that's beneficial for everyone. Now I get a January doubleheader because, to your point, you have 10 players. You'd like to play them all throughout the course of a match, and that gives you the opportunity to do it. It's the May ones that get a little bit sketchy. Um, obviously, again, with that in mind, uh, I do want to talk to you about the size of your roster this year because it, I feel like it is a bigger team, right? And I, I'm curious what is that a byproduct of you know maybe last season is that just the depth you need nowadays to compete what leads to the bigger roster yeah it's just um again you know more options and opportunities and um just getting the right kids in your program so um you know we've typically been eight nine i mean this year we were 10 um but yeah you know i'm not limiting the numbers but it's just finding the right kids i believe Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, I want to ask you about recruiting. Uh, I want to start here. Has it become easier to sell college tennis to international recruits throughout the course of your career? Is it, like, again, talking about awareness of the game and, I suppose, reputation for the game, has that something that's become easier to do? Yeah, you know, since I've been at Michigan, I haven't done international recruiting as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at FIU before um, for, I don't know how many years that was, but so I was mainly international there. Um, and it was easier to sell because they thought I was, I, I mean, I was in Miami and I think they thought they sometimes you were coming to University of Miami. And, <laughs> but um, we haven't done it as much at Michigan, but you know, I think there's just such an opportunity for the kids, you know, I, the international kids realize that if they come over here, I mean, everything's paid for. I mean, from the equipment to nutrition, to counseling services, to, I mean, you name it. So, you know, if you do want to be a pro, it's, it's set up for you, the training and everything. And if you don't, and you're, you don't feel like you want to continue with the tennis, you come and play for a team and you get a great education somewhere. So I just feel like there's so many opportunities, um, you know, out there now, every division one is most are fully funded. I don't think that was the case years ago. So <laughs> um, the opportunities are there. And I, I feel that's why the international kids are coming over. Mm-hmm. And, and with that sort of idea in mind, uh, as you look at, you know, again, recruiting right now, there's an explosion in the transfer portal simply because there are five years of high school graduates, and that will probably settle down after those graduates are graduate. Um, but, you know, Coach Cohen over at Oklahoma made the point that tennis has always had a higher transfer rate than other sports because we, ra- we waive the one rule sit-out year uh, prior to other sports doing that. All of that said, when you construct your roster, how do you balance bringing in four-year players right now with knowing, hey, if I want to find a five singles, six singles experienced player, I could probably do that on the transfer portal. Yeah, I th- you know, the transfer portal's huge now with that extra year. I feel mm-hmm. like teams are, you know, getting very experienced players for one or two years and coming in and doing grad school and um you know, there's a big difference, a, you know, graduate student coming in and playing an 18 year old kid from Michigan, you know, it's a, it's a big difference. Um, you know, we haven't, again, I mean, at Michigan, I, people don't transfer, sure. you know, how Michigan is in Ann Arbor. Um, they don't leave. I mean, they, they love their experience and, um, we haven't had kids transfer and we really haven't had kids transfer in for that reason. I mean, we don't have spots open. Um, the Americans typically decide earlier, so I've gotten commitments earlier, so we don't have spots for a lot of transfers coming in later. I mean, we did get one transfer, um, Julia Peroni, who was excellent for us for two years. She came from Arkansas, 
Um, but typically I haven't done that either, you know, through the transfer portal and dealt much with that. But I do think it's going to change um, these teams that have kind of gotten the older kids to come in and, and fill spots for one or two years. Um, I think that will go away because I do think you transfer early. You know, I think after the first year, the kids will realize they're probably not in the right place um, or it's not working and we'll move on pretty early. So you won't see the grad school as much um, older kids moving around. Do you think NIL will factor into recruiting moving forward? Yeah, I don't know on the tennis side. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it hasn't been big at Michigan on the tennis side. I know at first the girls were contacted, but I don't know if it was legit stuff. I mean, I think, you know, some of them were, you know, tons of messages, but I don't know. Um, you know, we'll see. I think that that is so early in it. Um uh, and I'm not smart enough and I don't understand it, but I, I don't know in tennis if it's going to be um, a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so unclear with all of the rules right now, right? Like some coaches can talk about it. Other coaches can't and international players can't benefit off of it yet. They've got to donate to charity. It feels like as soon as all of those things are clarified, it becomes a little bit easier. Right. So anything that I know about it is like, we as coaches at Michigan aren't helping the process. We're not supposed to get involved. I mean, there it's solely for them to do it on their own, um, contact whoever they contact that goes through the kids. And I think that's tough because they might get into, you know, situations that aren't good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear a little bit of money and it might not be exactly what it it's. So I do think maybe somehow we have to figure out how to sort of help the kids through the process. But right now at Michigan, we're not really, um, doing that um, or they don't want us to yeah no the good news is again there are people in the athletic department to help out with all that stuff and with that in mind and i know it's an easy sell to me um but give me the pitch why should i come to ann arbor why should i be a wolverine moving forward yeah i mean i I think it's the same thing that you saw right Mm -hmm. i mean my two of my two of my three kids have stayed home and gone to michigan um it's the balance i think you know there's I don't know if there's another school in the country that has the academic and the athletic balance that we have at Michigan. Um, you know, academically, it's one of the top, you know, um, whatever you want to major in. You know, I think you're going to get a, a first class education. Um, athletics is through the roof, every sport. Uh, you know, the facilities, our tennis facilities are incredible. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what sport here at Michigan, you got, you're supported um, with resources and you're, you're special. You know, if you come to Ann Arbor as an athlete, you walk around town, you are, you are recognized, you have your Michigan backpack on, um, you're a star. So um, I can't think of a better place. I'm super, you know, I've been here 15 years. I still drive around town and I can't believe I get to live in Ann Arbor. You know, you go down main street and the restaurants and the things to do and, and um, the safety of the town. It's just a great, great place. Um, and, you know, we have one downfall and Taryn and I joke, you know, if, if we were, if we had perfect weather, everyone would want to come here. <laughs> so I think we have um, lousy weather to sort of weed out some people, but um, you know, it's just an incredible place. I can't be happier um, to have the opportunity to coach here and, and, you know, the other coaches, I mean, it's, it's just, um, everything is such a, at a high level, mm-hmm. everything's done at a high level from academics to athletics and, and people in the community are just incredible. I, f- I feel like I shouldn't help sell it. So I'll say this bad parking, like that's the one thing, not the best <laughs> parking. You're probably going to get a ticket, but 
yeah, big enough that you can find whatever you're looking for, small enough that you're never going to get lost. That's what I always found about Ann Arbor as well. Yeah, when I came from Fort Lauderdale, I'm not, I love South. walk down the street and someone says hello. I'm like, what, you know, what do they want from me? So it's just different vibe. I mean, the Midwest is, um, you know, great. People are super friendly, helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, the winter builds character. Like, if we were spoiled with sun all the time, we wouldn't have character. But the winter hardens you. And then that first spring day is the most delightful thing in the freaking world. You're like 50, yeah, 50 degrees. degrees. And people yeah. just come out like. Yeah, it's madness. Um, with that said, and this gets into the broader scheduling, um, and it's some things I want to talk about, but one coach suggested flipping the dual match season from the spring to the fall. And I actually think at Michigan, you could play more outdoor tennis if the season started in August than when it does start in January. Um, I suppose more broadly, your thoughts on the scheduling in college tennis are, you know, do we do it the most efficient way possible? But I actually feel like that might be true. Like, I do think we could play more outdoor tennis for Michigan if it was a fall season. That, that has to be Josh. Is that yeah, Josh? Yeah, it's coffee. Okay, yeah, I spoke to Josh about that. I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. We would be outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know, our dual match season, if we started, you know, you could even go like volleyball does and start early. I think mm-hmm. soccer, they start in August and go August, September. Um you know, you get done in November and you're outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that is good. Um, I would feel like I would need the kids in the summer more, okay. you know, to train because it's an early start for tennis. I feel like um, that would be a tough thing, but it, it does make sense if you want to be outdoors because we're, you know, we're going to be indoors January and February. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say March in case. <laughs> That does make sense. I'm very old school, though. I kind of like how it is where um, we come back in September, we get the fall to do the individual stuff and then kind of gear up. Um, and again, I played at Miami, so I was outdoors all the time. So, No, I'm <laughs> but glad. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that you knew that came from Goffey. He also made a good point of seniors would then actually get a second semester if they didn't want to do the individual stuff in the spring. And I was like, huh. That's interesting too. Um, but I, I mean, one Todd Chapman came on this podcast last week. He's I don't know if he's going to get mad that I keep saying this quote, but he said it um, that he would be more surprised at this point if the NCAA individuals don't move to the fall than if they do. He think it's he thinks it's going to happen at some point in the next five years. Where are you on when NCAA individuals should be played? Yeah, I mean, I hear a lot about it, and. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know where that push, I, I know where the push is from. I don't quite understand it. I like where it is. Um, I think if you move it in, um, in November, the fall championships basically is renamed to the NCAA championships, right? So, mm-hmm. and I, I just want the kids to have time to um, compete for it and have the season, the, their body of work in the season and qualify for it. So, we're going too much on the year before the results. I, I find it hard to do it in the fall and figure out who are the kids deserving mm-hmm. of being in there. I think we leave out some freshmen that should be playing. Um, I don't know doesn't do well in that she doesn't get to play in CAAs, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just the fall. So, um, yeah, it, it's to me, it's renaming the fall championships. Mm-hmm. to the NCAA championships. And the whole thing is to get it on TV, I believe, is the um, you know main push. 
um, and also to separate it, have a clear individual season, season and, and a team season in the spring. So I'm old school. Um, I do think Todd might be right that it is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just depends. I, I just want, if it does happen, that all the coaches have a voice. Sure. Um, that it's not just a few pushing it. Mm-hmm. I think we all should have a voice. And at all levels of Division One should have a voice when that tournament is. You know, 49.9% of coaches will agree on anything, but you'll never get 50%. <laughs> not ever. And so, no, it, I, it's interesting. I mean, I've said this on other podcasts. If you can get it the second week of the U.S. Open or at some sort of big pro event, give it that sort of stage, that makes complete sense to me. To change it just to change it is interesting. I think one thing you have to do to change it, and I think one thing that should be done just anyways, because you look at the December rankings, no Navarro on the women's side, no Draxel on the men's side. Would you be fine if they just went to a 12-week, uh, 12-month excuse me, system where it's just we drop out seniors as soon as they graduate, but other than that, the rankings stay consistent? Yeah, I, I just think the college season should be – what is counted, right? I, I don't know that the summer results, you know, if they go play pro events, because what about the kids that don't play in the summer? Are they removed? You know, Kari went and did an internship this fall, I mean, this summer. You know, she was in New York and didn't get to play many events practice. Um, so she, you know, those, re- she'd sort of be behind the, you know, and all that if we did the 12 months. So I, I don't know. We keep trying to change things. Yeah. You know, is change better? Sometimes, but you don't know until you do it. Um, but if there's a clear cut reason, you know, in November and it makes sense to, to more people, then I think we can do it. Um, second week of the U S open, I think obviously great exposure for college tennis. We used to have a college event then the collegiate event, right? The American collegiate event. It was fantastic, but it was only eight kids. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to that. I think if we want to, you know, get that college tennis exposure again, just 16 kids, you know, the top 16 kids coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, second week of the open. Um, yeah, I, I think it was great. You know, we had a couple kids that got to play it. They wore Michigan across their chest at the U S open fans there. It's, um, you know, I, I would bring that back. Like that's a good thing for college tennis at the open, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the NCAA championship. Um, but I'm for it in the, in May, you know, it, it makes the team event better. I feel like all those kids are there watching the coaches are there. There's an atmosphere there. Um, so I'm going to vote the other way. That's okay. Uh, no, I like to hear it. Uh, I keep saying this podcast is just about exposing the swing voters and knowing who's still available out there on the market. Um, but, you know, it, it's so interesting when we talk about growing the game. So many coaches point to the tie-ins that need to happen between the pro tours and college tennis as a way of just broadening who's watching college tennis, getting it that sort of exposure is that an argument that resonates with you? And again, I, I guess not to put this burden on you, but how do we do that? Is it, you know, Indian Wells had an event, right, that was featuring college tennis matches. A couple teams went down to the Australian Open not that long ago. You feel like with Miami and Charleston and Houston early in the calendar, there are American professional events happening for that stage to exist. I know Oracle's tried it. UTR has picked up the mantle but is that something that has to happen to grow the game? Bigger tie-in between college and the pros? Yeah, I think we've, tr- you know, we've done that. And yeah. like I said, I mean, the thing at the U.S. Open is not no longer. I don't know why. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think we've, we do things for a little bit, and then we, for some reason, it stops. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, that was fantastic. The Open, I, I think the thing at um, Indian Wells was great, where the mm-hmm. teams went and played events. Um, I think that's something we can keep doing because that's where the people are. 
Yeah. You know, the U.S. Open, you have thousands and thousands of people there, you know, so we do have to get um, college tennis out there um, and market it better. And I think that's a way to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about the marketing word. And I think when we're talking about growing the game, there are two schools of thoughts. So you have to continue to change the product, obviously, to get it on TV. I think it's more of a marketing issue. I think first you got to grow the games in the communities and you have to get the buy-in. And I know Michigan has inherent buy-in that perhaps some other schools don't just by the size of the school and the alumni base. Um, but is that a school of thought that resonates with you that we need to focus on the marketing and how do we go about doing that? Yeah, I think it's both. Sure. Um, you know, the, the marketing's huge. Um, you know, we're, I'm lucky at, at Michigan, you know, the Ann Arbor community and, our tennis center runs as a club and we have members in there and Taryn and I have done clinics in the past and, you know, the ladies come out and we have our regulars and um, our men's team does incredible, you know, their, their energy and stuff. I mean, they, they pack the building. So um, I want our girls to do some chest bumps and stuff, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're working on that too. But yeah, I think it's both, you know, the marketing's big. Um, I think the format, um, we're not there yet. I do think it needs to be shorter um, you know, we, we, we see what softball has done and, and gotten on TV. Um, I, I think their product is something that's that on TV, um, you know, really, you know, really works well. Again, we're on six courts. So how do you do that? But, um, I do think, you know, the, the format, we're still not there. Um, but I do, I do want to keep the doubles, um, as the huge part, because I think that's what the fans um, really love. So that's the, the, crux of it right is it's just you have that 40 minute doubles point which is so explosive and so exciting for fans and everyone gets so engaged and then you have first sets where unless you're me or like the nerds in the crowd the hardcore tennis fans one coach framed it it's a permission structure for fans to leave because you've seen what you need to see you've gotten that energy boost to me the way to solve that lull you know one of the the Bryce, uh, the clearest ways would just go to a simultaneous start and just play one doubles and four singles or whatever it may be. But if you do that, you lose the doubles point. And so I'm curious where you are on simultaneous start or how you is because other short of that, like okay, our I, the other suggestion from Brad Dancer put an hour and a half on the clock at the start of singles. Every game a player on your team wins counts as a point. And, you know, that way every game really still does matter. There's a shot clock as well. You know, that feels a little gimmicky. But short of those two things, I don't know how you shorten the product any further than we have. Yeah, I think I'm for simultaneous. I mean, I think we talked about that um, as a group, a coaches group. During COVID, we were talking about a lot of this stuff because we had nothing to do and we'd have (laughs) um, calls with coaches. I, I love the simultaneous. Um, it ha- makes the doubles two out of three sets, mm-hmm. which I think it's, it should be. Um, I would go four one probably, um, yeah. c- just because the numbers of otherwise, you know, you're going to have to get rosters bigger. I believe. Yeah. Um, so I'm for it. You know, it shortens it. It makes, you know, the doubles points. It's not a doubles point, but doubles is still um, a major. Um, part of college tennis i think that needs to stay in there i think the fans definitely relate to that because that's what they play and um but you're right i i I do think that's when we're losing the fans you know after the doubles point and for sure it was at michigan you know um 
I think it's less so now with the doubles being shorter. I think the eight game pro set, we lost them a lot. You know, those pro, the pro set could go an hour, an hour and a half. And then, you know, we had a 10 minute break and the stands were empty sometimes. So I would love to try it. Um, And I think we've talked about it and that sort of has calmed down, but I, I do like that. I think then, you know, TV can handle it. It's a two hour, I, I think you do a 10 point break or two. So they're all kind of ending at the same time. Um, instead of getting a long third set that could go on, it just makes it exciting. I think for the coaches, I get more gray hairs with the 10 points, but I think <laughs> as a fan, there's nothing more exciting than a 10 pointer back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. so that's the way I would do it. No. So coach McKenna pushed me on all of this when I spoke with her and it's just, again, to what ends, like is college tennis supposed to be about entertainment or is it supposed to be about development? And I'm curious if you think things like a third set breaker or again, simultaneous start, does that compromise any of the development that's currently going into college tennis? I mean, I think you're always developing if you're on the court. Okay. I I don't know if, if playing a third set, I mean, I played no ad in -hmm. college and they said that when it went back to, you know, regular scoring, and then we would try to go back to no ad, you know, Mm -hmm. development and pros and how many kids are going and playing pros, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, Amina Beck is still out there playing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had kids try to play, but how many are out there? You know, yeah, yeah. so the majority of my kids are not going pro. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's super exciting. If you're playing a two out of three set with a 10 point breaker, you are under intense pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's how you develop. You're under tough situations on the court, um, playing for a team. You've got fans behind you going crazy. I think that's development still. I yeah. think you can always develop. You you put in the time on the practice court. The fall can be about all that individual stuff, the team stuff. Make it team against team. Um, I don't care what the format is. You're you're getting better if you're playing yeah. and competing. So um, I agree, and that's I I feel like the fall is the perfect place to try this stuff. Now the issue is it doesn't count. So it's like we can, we're having fun. I mean, not that it doesn't count, but it wouldn't right. be on the team dual match record, but simultaneous start or the other thing i would add substitutions i am such a fan of substitutions whether it be a from an injury standpoint i think if a player gets injured in a match why would you just call it a retirement we have three teammates sitting on the bench let them come in finish the match win or lose the other thing i do soccer substitutions where it's like once someone's subbed out they're out but you know what gets rid of those 10 to 15 minute lapses of concentrations if coach bernstein comes over and says hey like I'm going to sub you out. <laughs> let's go. Like, let's pick it up here. I right. think it's a good thing for tennis. I love that. I mm-hmm. think, uh, again, something we've talked about, um, I think that's a no-brainer. I don't know why we don't do that. I think it does. It puts pressure on the kids there. You know, you've got a kid that's – and not pressure. I mean, it's you, you might not feel great or it might not be a great matchup that day against that kid. And if you're down, like, why not switch it up? You've, like you said, you've got three healthy, four healthy kids that practiced all week, and because their name wasn't written on the lineup, don't get a chance to play. I think that's um, sad for them. And I think if someone does get hurt, you should not have to forfeit the match. Let somebody else go play, and um, I would love to see that. Plus, just imagine the Michigan scoreboard, you dim the lights for a second, we bring in the closer. And just who I'm, who would have been the best closer in your time? You would have kept her on the bench and been like five four. You're coming in to clinch the duel. Who would have been yeah. the best closer? 
Yeah, I mean, the best server was Bechtus, but I probably wouldn't have left her on the bench. So yeah. um, I, it, it would be someone that had a huge serve. I'd have one person that I would recruit differently. differently. Yeah. And I'd find one girl. You don't have to actually be able to hit the ball. Yeah. But you you serve 150, you're in. 5-4, uh, I need you. You know, yeah. you come out of the bullpen and, and four aces and... Michigan wins. See, now I can come in for the coaching session. You give me you need four points, just bombs that I can manufacture. Uh, well, exactly. maybe we'll find out. But no, that uh, that that does. I agree with you. I just think it would make it that much more exciting. Plus, we're the only sport without it. So why would that continue to be the case? I just think that's that's foolish. Um, all right. When you look this, see, I am again some silly questions here. But th- we talked about the rankings earlier uh, and how impactful Ohio State and Northwestern making the national indoors was. Now I know on the men's side they scheduled doubleheaders: Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State. Part of that's a byproduct of Iowa, Minnesota, no longer on the Big Ten schedule, so they have those competitive dates open. Is that something you considered at all? Just, again, after learning last year how those rankings, how value, it really doesn't punish losses. It rewards victories more than anything else. Would a doubleheader with Ohio State, something that, because you played it last year, something that might be in the cards? Did Melissa send you a text today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she she told not. me she was going to. Oh. Ask that question. That's funny. She did not, but it was in okay. the. That means great minds think alike. Yeah, um, we have talked about it. I'm I'm starting to lean that way. To be honest, it's an okay. easy trip. Um, I feel like it's a good, obviously a good rivalry. Great program, tons of respect. Um, mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. I mean, two opportunities they'd have against us, we'd have against them. Um, Plus, I'm sure it's the stress of some years, like, I'm at Northwestern and at Ohio State, like, instead of being like, all right, well, I don't know how balanced it is if it's always home away in your schedule. Yeah, but like, I think it, I mean, it. it is, I think, no, Northwestern's at us and Ohio State, we're there. Um, okay. It just happens to be like that, but, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning that way. I'm not committing yet on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be recorded and but yeah it does make sense and i think the men are doing it um mm-hmm. can we play twice at michigan i'll do it for sure uh music to my ears <laughs> ah that's a yes for me it's a hard yeah. yes for, yeah come on melissa don't be ridiculous yeah so uh, you we'll, gotta I'll talk to her about it I'll, yeah she's gotta I'll give a little in. bit i'll text you if we, <laughs> okay, if good. we work I, it out i was gonna say you're gonna text parse of that scoop instead of me i'll be devastated no, uh, you get, alex you will get it you're you're our voice so you get all the you. scoop i appreciate it but i'm sure then all the complaints about me come to you and so that's what i always tell adam he's like people blame me for what you said and i'm like yeah that's how it works <laughs> yeah like get, get used to it um all right with all that said again this year the chance to become the winningest coach in michigan women's tennis history uh obviously i'm sure you guys are circling not just another ncaa sweet 16 uh, uh performance but trying to get back to the quarterfinals for the first time since 2016 what would allow you guys to do that to take that next step this year what do you want to see from the group yeah, I mean, we, we have to take advantage of our opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. we have to show up when we play. Yeah, we have to show up every day, mm-hmm. but we have some opportunities on the schedule where we need to, um, you know, play our best and compete. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good point by point. I mean, we can't look ahead of ourselves, but just compete as hard as we can and, and good things happen. So I think that's sort of what our program has been about, um, mm-hmm. just going out there and fighting hard um, every point. And then we have to be, you have to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Um, and just be playing our best in, in May. You know, we have to peak then. You know, so if we're, if we're playing 
you know, I, I, you just want to get better throughout the season. Um, and the end stage draw is huge. You know, it's, it's just, there's just so much that goes into it. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I don't know if I felt better with the group that we have, you know, um, I feel really good with this group. Um, they get along so well and, and care about Michigan. And, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take a, I would love to win the whole thing. I mean, I've done this a long time, but I feel proud, um, you know, for the kids that have come through the program and, and, and what they're all about. So um, I think that's that's more important. Yeah, oh, I love it. Well, then, last two quick ones for you. I forgot to ask this earlier. Should the non-American, a non-American winner of the NCAAs get a wild card? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's the U.S. Open. I, I think sure. maybe the top American in college should get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whoever ends up ranked the highest or if, I don't know that the international should get it. I, I might be, um, you know, not what most people think. I think it's it's the U.S. Open, and we need to reward our our players. So um, yeah. probably not. That's it's I fair. Think. I would say, especially as the USTA takes on a bigger burden of college tennis, you can reward both. Give it to the NCAA champion regardless. Give it to the top-ranked American. or Because you're right, to some extent, the U.S. Open is the premier American tennis event. You want to have as many carrots out there for American juniors uh, or developing pros. I agree. At the same time, if the USTA is going to take on the mantle of college tennis, that's why I think the winner should get it regardless is because Stella Perez-Somariba is no worse a representative of college tennis than Emma Navarro this year. And so that would be, yeah, I think that would be the argument in favor of it. Um, So I I do think, yeah, I mean, the USTA is giving a lot of young kids, you know, the wild cards into the open, the juniors. I think, you know, if, if the top American, whoever gets ranked, can get it and uh, why can't two people from college get it i mean the level is insane Mm -hmm. um and they can play at that level and they show it you know when they get out of college so um i'd be i'd be all for that two college kids getting it even better i'm just gonna start saying even cressy can do it because if you saw max cressy as a freshman to where he is now you're just like yeah pro college tennis all right last one for you you can go back in time it can be a win or a loss and you get to re-coach any match from your coaching career. Is it year one of FIU going over 500? Is it something in your Michigan tenure? What do you pick? I mean, I can go straight to a point. Um, <laughs> and this might not make one kid. I, I would say we, we had Stanford at match point in the quarters at Tulsa. Okay. And it was a second serve. And um, my kid was returning. And I should have prayed a little harder on that point before that point. <laughs> I prayed, but it wasn't long enough and, um, you know, to get to the, the semis of NCAA. So, you know, you want things to like slow down and it, it just kind of got away from us. So yeah. I probably would have thrown Taryn out on the court and, <laughs> you know, calm things down. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you it's tough to get there. And, um, you know, so I'll always remember that. But there's so many great, you know, grow moments too. And, um, it's just, it's an awesome job that I have. I can't believe it. And, um, a lot of, a lot of good memories for sure. I thought you were going to say Stanford national indoors 2020, because I swear to God, we win that match four out of 10 times. Yeah. I mean, we had that too, you know, (laughs) but but you also have so many matches like we, the LSU match last year in the round of 32. 
you know, mm -hmm. Bella's down 4-1 in the third, and I mean, it's cramping and bloody, and, and we win that. So it goes both ways. You know, there's there's heartbreakers, and there's, you know, pure joy on the side, and and you're going to get both. Yeah. And it's how, you know, how you deal with it and overcome it. And even during a season, we're going to have so many ups and so many downs, and um, there's one winner at the end. So, yeah. um you know, it's just big picture and kind of looking back and, and realizing what you actually have. I would love to get the blood pressure monitors on every coach in those scenarios versus like the player, because I swear to God, it is 400 times easier to play that scenario than it is to watch right. it. Yeah, you're just, I, it's How incredible. How do I look? Have you ever seen me in that scenario? You look, look, well, you're poised. I mean, calm, you know, cool as a cucumber is the expression, I believe. Although, yeah, I mean, cool cucumber, pretty cool. Yeah, inside, I'm probably not as cool <laughs> yeah. as a cucumber, but I, I try and just stand there and like, don't move, like, don't fall over, don't I was over. on the, I had to call the Michigan Pepperdine match last year in the round of 16, which I get thrill and pleasure of a lifetime. Like six times I was about to get to a mother and I was like, no, yeah. no, no, no. I was like, rein it in, rein it in. And so, yes, I can only imagine what it's like to be yeah. in that I scenario. mean, that one, we didn't even give ourselves a chance. But So <laughs> I apologize, Alex. I disagree. I thought that. we played pretty well in the doubles. Like I thought we, we yeah, came we out swinging. in the doubles for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think Singles, that kind of so yeah, well, that kind of stomped our momentum. Our momentum, you know, again yeah. slipped out. We could have stole the doubles point. You never this, know. We this could've... is what I'm saying. Sure. That's where the MFers started to come because I was like, oh my god, we're gonna take this doubles point. Here we come. Like Leahy's right. not playing that well. I think Kari can get her, and right. then it was like, oh, just kidding. Yeah, we needed that doubles point for yeah. sure. But <laughs> but hopefully we make you proud this year. You That's always do, goal. Coach. <laughs> and again, I'm immensely grateful for you and Coach Steinberg tolerating my nonsense i know oftentimes you guys get the brunt of it um so i appreciate uh again you taking the time to come on the show today and obviously we'll be wishing your team safety health and success and as always go blue coach oh blue alex thank yeah. you so much of course happy new year you too take care